I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 25. I so appreciate, Arthur, your musical rendition of Psalm 25. And I'm just going to say that there are, there are a few things that are important about him singing a song that you didn't know. Okay? And, and singing a song that you couldn't even sing along with, probably. Because it's important that we remember that God did not reveal Himself in um, logical propositions. He revealed Himself through narrative and through story. He revealed Himself through poetry and song in the Psalms. And so, that's why you might even say as a discipline, uh, as we talk about the songs, we tr- we're going to try and sing the, song, the, the Psalms as well so that we have the sense, uh, or at least a sense, that God is revealing Himself here in poetry that, in a way that we're uh, unused to. And so having said that, I want to say one other thing here about those songs. It's a, I mentioned it's a discipline. We're going to do it every Sunday through the rest of the summer. Last week it was Psalm 24. This week it's Psalm 25. I'll give you three, as my mom used to say, I'll give you three guesses about what next week will be and the first two don't count. Okay. Psalm 26 and then 7 and then 28 all the way through this Labor Day. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I think it will be very good for you. Your heart will be more blessed by those songs before the sermon if you just go ahead and read the psalm before you come. Maybe Saturday night or some other time. Because I've had the privilege, I say that, I've had the privilege of studying Psalm 25 all week. And I totally dug what he just sang. Because it just helped me kind of put things together as uh, God as God wrote it in, in poetry. So I just invite you to do that uh, through the rest of the summer so that your joy might be full in the Scriptures. As we're, as we're talking about the Psalms, it's probably important to, to point out how they inform our expectations about a life as a follower of God. The Psalms open, and it's not an accident that they open in Psalm 1. Okay? They open in Psalm 1 as God says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Um, it's... Uh, its leaf also shall not wither, and everything he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. They will not stand in the congregation of the righteous or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And Psalm, 20, Psalm 1 points us in one of two directions. There is a path that is blessed. That you are on if you are careful about your companions. If you delight in meditating on God's Word. And you're on this path of the righteous. Otherwise, you're on the path of the ungodly or the wicked. 
And you're like chaff. Instead of like a tree planted by the waters, you're like chaff which the wind blows away. And you're, you're pointed at the beginning of the Psalms to pick your path. And take, in the words of Robert Foss, take the one less traveled by because that will make all the difference. But assuming that you hear that and you make a good choice, right? You're going to say, I'm going to be that blessed person. I'm going to meditate in the Word. I'm going to be careful about my companions. Assuming you do that, what do you expect? I expect, it says, blessed is the man, who, you know, so I expect to be blessed. He says, um, he'll be like a tree planted around by the rivers of water. I expect to thrive, right? What am I going to expect? He says, um, that everything he does will prosper. Oh, that sounds good to me. Count, sign me up for that road. I hope all of you sign up for that road. The reality of it, though, is that the road isn't quite as smooth as we expect. You see, we're sort of led to believe that 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 road is going to be a smooth road. When in effect, that is simply the road of friendship with God. And the reality is that that friendship with God is developed as the road is rough. It's a good road, but it's not an easy road. The destination of that road is a joyous road, but that doesn't make the road itself smooth and easy. And see, one of the things is we have just come to believe that it's supposed to be easy. And I'm doing something wrong or, or, or something's broken if, if it's not easy for me. I mean, we come to church all dressed up, we look at all the other folks all dressed up, and we say, oh, it's easy for them, why is it not easy for me? And I just want to suggest to you that Psalm 25, anyway, informs us that friendship with God is actually developed because of the difficult road. It is the the hard and winding road that leads to glory. It's the complicated path that develops our friendship with God. And so I commend it to you, not just for the destination, because that is what the blessing holds. The companionship and friendship with God, that's where the blessing is, not in the fact that it's smooth and easy. The thriving and the tree being planted by the rivers of water and the prospering comes from this communion with God, not because it's easy. And so I want to encourage you not to doubt not to question, not to look around and say, they're better than me or it's, it, you know, I'm doing something wrong because it's not that easy for me. It's not easy for anybody. But that doesn't make the road bad. It doesn't make you on the wrong road. And that really is what we find in Psalm 25. So we're going to read it in just a second, but I'm, I'm going to, um, I want to point out one thing that, there, that you won't see as you read it, before we read it. Psalm 25, uh, I mentioned already that it was written as a song. I mean, it's a, 
It's a prayer to be sung. But this is a this song has extra um, poetry involved, you might say, in that David, as he wrote it, chose uh, an additional an additional layer of structure. I don't know if you remember back to your middle school English classes where you had to write sonnets or or, or limericks or something that had certain meters and you had to get it all to fit in the right meter or it wasn't, you know, a limerick. And the structure, the structure helps you understand. I mean, I, I, I don't, I remember several limericks. I don't remember any that aren't funny. And the reason that, I, that they're funny in part is because of the structure that is imposed on those limericks. There once was a lady from Niger who smiled as she rode on a tiger. They returned from the ride with the lady inside and the smile on the face of the tiger. Okay, It's just the structure. It makes you, it forces you into something that is important. Psalm 25 has an additional layer of structure like that as well. And the structure in the original Hebrew language is an acrostic or an ABC psalm. First verse starts with uh, Aleph. The second uh, verse starts with Beit. The third verse starts with Gimel. Hey, all the way through the Hebrew alphabet, with some small variations. And so, um, I don't know how that will help you as you read it in English, but it's gonna—I'm gonna work to try and uh, remind you of that structure throughout the course of the message. So let's read it together, Psalm 25. Beginning in verse 1. Of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. And teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble His way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will He instruct in the way that He should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. 
Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in You. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for You. Redeem Israel, O Lord, out of all His troubles. So I don't know if you notice, I mean, this is a wonderful psalm to reward uh, you as you read it over and over and over. But I don't know if you notice that there are many, many repeating words. And one of the, one of the key repeating words is, this, is the word path or way. That's what threw me back to, to Psalm 1 as a signpost for the two ways. Because it says, teach me your ways. Make me know your ways. Don't let me get on the wrong path. That's his prayer. And then... He also confesses that that path isn't easy. There are foes there. I'm lonely and I'm in distress and I have trouble. But I'm on the path. Keep me on the path. And so, I just want to remind you that the right path is a path of friendship with God that is developed as the path is hard. So we'll see that as we look through, and I'm, I'm kind of self-conscious about what I'm going to do next here. So just, uh, I'm going to um, ask you to bear with me anyway, because you've heard preachers do this, and you've probably groaned uh, for for uh, good reason. But because Psalm 25 is an acrostic psalm, it's an ABC psalm. I'm going to try and have an ABC sermon here. To, but just out of respect for the structure to help you. Because I'm thinking about the ABCs, right? Why would he do ABCs? Maybe to help people remember? I mean, that's some of the reason that you um, do ABC things with your children to help them remember words or help them remember orders of something. The other thing is just, I think, to help him be more artistic is some of the reason. And sadly, it didn't help me be more artistic. I'm just going to confess that up front. But it is going to be ABC. So there you go. The first ABC of friendship with God here is always pray. This is, a, this is uh, an acrostic psalm. It is a prayer. Itself, it's a prayer. And as it, as it is a prayer, he continues to confess that that's what He does all the time. I lift up my soul to You, O Lord. Verse 1. Verse 5. For You I wait all the day long. This is just not a five-minute quiet time thing for Him. This is not an in-passing while I'm in the car hoping for a parking spot. Prayer time for Him. This is a real honest-to-goodness all-day-long event. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. The, the orient, you get the idea that the orientation of his life is a life of prayer. The orientation of his life is a life toward God. That God is at the center of his life. And that's who he will take refuge in because he will always, always pray. And so I just want to encourage you, as you're thinking about friendship with God, uh, when the path is easy, and sometimes it will be. Some of you may remember when it was easy. 
But it isn't always easy. But when it's easy, pray. When it isn't easy, that's really when you need to pray more, isn't it? That's really when you need the orientation of your life to find that North Star so that you know where you're going and what path you're on, even though it's hard. And that's what David did. He oriented his entire life in prayer toward the Lord all the time. And if you're going to have friendship with God, that really is something you're going to want to do. And so maybe you put triggers around. Maybe you write something on your bathroom mirror. Maybe you put a card. Uh, I know people put cards on their uh, stereo in their car for their commute. Things that remind them. Some people carry stuff around in their pocket. If you're having a hard time orienting your life to the Lord, figure out a way. One of the things that we do in our house, we have a blackboard in our kitchen. And it's just a little artsy about blackboard because of whom I'm married to. I just have like a whiteboard with pen. But she's got this cute little thing. And we have a verse on there every day. We have a verse on there every day that is not a different verse. It's the verse of the week that, that we get up in the morning and breakfast together and we always look at that verse. Finding some way to orient yourself so that you're always thinking about the Lord, always praying. That's what David does. That's where this psalm was born. So the A is always pray. The B is believe that God loves you. Believe that God loves you. And again, I'm going to say, that's not so bad when, if you go back to Psalm 1, when everything He does prospers. <laughs> or He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Yes, the Lord loves me. There are... 77 degree sunny Sunday afternoons. My hammock's going to go up this afternoon. And today it's going to be easier to remember that the Lord loves me than it is on other days. But it's those other days when that is like the number one doubt that creeps in. God, if you loved me, why is this so hard? Why does this hurt so bad if you love me? If I had a child that I loved... I would do everything I could to alleviate this kind of pain. There, I, we, I have those conversations all the time as a, partly as an argument with my own soul to remind myself to believe that God loves me. But look through this psalm. There's another repeating refrain that you see all the time. The, the, the belief thing happens right early. In you I trust. I don't trust in what I see. I don't trust in my circumstances. I don't trust in what is going on around me. I trust in you and what you tell me is true. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. Verse 6, according to your steadfast love, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love. This, this idea of steadfast love is, is fairly contrary to the way that most of us are accustomed to thinking about love. I, I just finished my softball. I coached softball and I just finished my season yesterday and I said goodbye to my girls. It's like, ooh. And I thought, I need to tell them that I love them. And then I thought about it and I thought, they're not going to understand that. I need to not tell them that I love them because they will misunderstand what I mean by that. Because for most people, it is either sexualized or it's some other kind of, you know, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you kind of a love. 
what this steadfast love isn't the kind of love that I was meaning earlier, is that there is a commitment of love, a covenant love of God, expressed in the ESV version as the word steadfast love. It is a love that is committed beyond the circumstances. A love where God remains faithful to His Word to us to do us good and not harm. That's why we want Him to remember us according to His steadfast love. And so this steadfast love of the Lord doesn't shift when the path gets hard. It doesn't, it's not different in a hard path than an easy path. It is the same today, uh, yesterday, and tomorrow. Because all the paths of the love, the Lord are steadfast love. You are walking in this path of righteousness. You chose the right path in Psalm 1. Then that path is a path from which you never escape the steadfast love of the Lord. Whether you feel like it or not. You see, in my estimation, this is the critical, this is the critical struggle at least for my Christian life, to remind myself that God loves me. He has committed Himself to me. He has demonstrated His love for me at the cost of His own Son. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. And so, if He has given us His Son, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? You can trust that God loves you. And if you're going to develop friendship with God over the difficult path, you're going to need to believe that God loves you. So, I told you this wasn't as, maybe as pretty as everything. This is sort of like the second word here is the sea, okay? The course that God has you run is complicated. Now, just so you know, the way this psalm is developed in Hebrew has a few irregularities too. So, I, I feel like I have you know, some divine inspiration to alter this just a little bit. <laughs> the course God has you run is complicated. We don't think it is. We, we, think, we think it should be smooth and easy. I've already talked about this before. But, it's complicated. That's why he has to pray. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. I just love, I love that prayer. That the first line of that prayer, make me know your ways. Don't leave me an option to miss out on this path. Don't let me stray from this path. Make me. I will miss it. If I'm left to myself, I will begin to disbelieve. Don't let me do that. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. The great news is He does that. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners like this pastor in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and He teaches the humble His way. The man... Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he will choose. See, there is a way. And it, so, 
it's important probably you recognize that this way is the way of God. He wants you to stay on that path, that Psalm 1 path. It's not the way that you choose the college you should go to. It's not the way you decide whether to get you know, the, the dark blue car or the brown one. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the way of the Lord as in um, keeping His commands, as in uh, loving His Word, as in loving your neighbor, as in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor is yourself, it doesn't matter what color car you drive. And so it's really... That's, that's the way of the Lord that he's talking about. Now, as, as he does that, and he makes me know his way, and he teaches it to me, and he, and he keeps me on it, I would, again, expect it to be smooth, but if you look at um, the verses, especially at the end, where he talks about my foes are many, and my enemies, don't let my, in the, at the beginning, let the enemies um, put me to shame. I mean, my, I want this path of God to have no enemies. And to have no problem. I don't want to be lonely and distressed and troubled as he talks about on, on this path. See, it's just important that you know that this path has obstacles and detours and bumps and washouts. But it's still the path of the Lord. And so please, 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 don't abandon it. Just because it's hard. Probably said enough about that already. D, you need to know that deliverance comes from the Lord. When the course is difficult and you're thinking you can't stay on it, somebody is driving you off of it, you need to know that deliverance comes from the Lord. And it's partially temporal deliverance. It's the deliverance from trouble. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Verse 16, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. You see, this part of the trouble on the path that I need deliverance from is the affliction and the loneliness and the suffering. And even the way that I take the pain that's in my life and I process it mentally. The way that I do that, I can make it worse or I can help myself through it. And that's one of the reasons we have this prayer is to help ourselves through it, to to give us words to say, God, I feel like I'm not supposed to be lonely and afflicted, but I am. Will you deliver me? Bring me out of this distress. So we have words to help us process that. When we have the, the, the temporal, circumstantial, Distress. Verse 18, consider my affliction and my trouble. Uh, and then, and then he puts in here, and it's more places than just in verse 18, where he says, forgive all my sins. I want you to know that God saves us not only from um, our circumstantial problems and so we pray, God saves us from our eternal problems and so we pray for forgiveness of sin. And he talks about the pardon my transgressions and there is uh, three or four times in here he's talking about really cleansing us from sin. 
You know, I mean, ultimately, I want you on this path to God. But this, I mean, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the gate. And there are few that find it. And so you enter this gate through confession of your sin. The admission that, you know what, I have offended God. I, he has every right to count me as His enemy. And on Judgment Day, He will. Unless I stand before Him clean and forgiven. And it's that, that forgiveness and that pardon of sins and that, that cleaning that I need. And the great news is the deliverance that comes from God because of His Son Jesus does that for me. That's what it tells us in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, it tells us that God is both the just, is just and the justifier of those who believe because He left sins committed beforehand unpunished. And so, He had to put His Son on the cross so that He might forgive David's sin here. As David asks for his sins to be forgiven, God is forgiving him even then because of the future application of the blood of Christ. The same way that you and I pray the same prayer, forgive all my sins. And they are forgiven because Jesus became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so we read this as Christians and we recognize that Deliverance comes from God and it comes because, uh, because of Jesus. And so, whether it's circumstantial or whether it's eternal, you need to know your deliverance comes from God. So you guys are looking at your watch now, aren't you? Thinking there's 26 letters in the alphabet. <laughs> We're on E here. <laughs> Expect that God will hear you. I mean, this is sort of a corollary of part one that, that simply says, always pray, but when you pray, expect that God will hear you. It says, oh, guard my soul, deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. I take refuge in you. I wait for you. I don't see it today. I'm still going to expect tomorrow that He'll answer me. I don't see it tomorrow. I'm still going to expect the next day He's going to answer me. We don't give up simply because it doesn't look like something is happening. See, that's, that's the thing. We get so wound up about what we think we see, we forget that the promise of God is good and we can wait for it. And so expect that God will hear you. F. See, you'll notice what I did here, right? Lots of Fs. Friendship with the Lord requires fear and forgiveness. So this is really the central idea that I've chosen for this message is that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. That this psalm is about developing friendship with the Lord. And those people who have respect for God are the people who are His friends. And it's this forgiveness I mentioned earlier, the pardon for sin that enables the friendship to take place.
one of my goals for New Life Church is that on that day when you transition from this life to the full experience of eternal life, that you'll be ready. That you'll be able to get to heaven from New Life Church. And really, I think there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians who will be quite out of place and quite uncomfortable in the presence of God. That it's sort of an acquaintance, you might say, rather than a friendship that they have with God. That what they have with God is sort of a passing knowledge or a they'll sort of tip their head as they go by on Sunday morning. But throughout the week, there's no real effort to walk His path or no real focus to fear Him or to develop friendship with Him. You see, all these things we've talked about so far, always praying, believing He loves you, you know, trusting Him for deliverance, expecting He'll hear, all those things are part of developing the friendship that you have with God. And the, the glory of it is that on that day when you breathe your last here, you're either going to be out of place because you don't know who He is. And you don't really know His character and you don't, know, you don't trust His promise and you're not ready. Or, or you're going to go and meet your best friend that day. And your soul will be happier on that day than ever before. And that's what I hope you will develop. And that comes by walking the path. That comes by um, this fear or awesome respect that, that we have for Him. And so friendship with the Lord comes when you are forgiven of your sins and you walk in fear before Him. And here's the lie. I'm just going to stop at G here. Just mercifully, right? God's character is your hope. You have to, I mean, you can't read this psalm without saying, why should I believe any of this? Without having some um, question about what it is that's going to make this all work. And because it doesn't work because of your performance or my performance. I don't have, I don't have hope of being on the path of prospering, of being like a tree planted by the rivers of water. My, my own heart doesn't delight in God's Word as it should. I don't have any of that. But if I'm hoping that I'm going to get it right, that I'm going to just be able to buck up and make it happen. Because my hope is in God's character. It's because uh, of His goodness that He makes me know his ways, that He keeps me on the path. And here throughout this in verses 5-8, through eight, there's just a, a, a list of His character qualities that are just so fabulous. Remember Your mercy, O oh Lord, and Your steadfast love. For that's, they've been evolved. That has been Your character for eternity. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in the way.
See, you can hope for Him to instruct you in the way. I trust that's what He's doing through His Word this morning. Because of His goodness. And because He is upright toward you. And so it's His character that is your hope. And then, I'm just going to point out the last verse here. Because this last verse is different than the first 21. Okay, the first 21, if you notice, say, I have troubles. I'm lonely. Make me know your path. Guard, uh, guide me in your goodness. Whatever. It's all about my own, the, the psalmist's own walk with the Lord. And he's, he's the king. He's the king of Israel. And then, at the end here though, he says, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. I mean, one of the things that I learned in my junior high English class was, don't switch topics at the end. And here he, and it looks like he switches topics from, you know, God, do this for me. I want to walk with you. Do this, you know, show me the way. All of a sudden it's about Israel out of all their troubles. And I, and I just had to ask myself, why do you, does he go from the particular concerns of friendship with God to the broader concerns of Israel? And as I thought about it, it is, uh, I, I think it's his, his kingly prayer for the people of God. Recognizing that the people of God all have the same problems. That the people of God all struggle to stay on the path. That you look around, every single one of us has a complicated course. Every single one of us struggles to believe God loves us. Every single one of us has distress or affliction or loneliness. We all have some challenge. And so he prays, God, redeem your people out of all their troubles. That really is, that really is the prayer. Not just for me. I, I can individualize this because it is individual. But ultimately, I, I come to this stopping point and say, God, would you bless your people? Would you, would you save them and redeem them and pull them out of all their troubles so that they all stay on this path. So that we all stay on this path together. So that we all are a company of people who are friends with God. If all of us are walking a pilgrim journey down this path of friendship with God, it really does change our ability to be friends with one another. It really does change our ability to invite other people to join the community of friends of God. And so, we'll close with His prayer for Israel. God, would You redeem Israel, Your people, out of all their troubles. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, it is... It is a beautiful thing to be able to stop and to reflect on 
your word, to be reminded that our journey is a challenge sometimes, but also to be reminded of the best possible news that you stand as the author of this journey, ready to be our friend on it. God, would you help us to believe you, to walk with you, to pray to you? And God, would you help us to do that together and to invite others on this journey as well? And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.